Resiliency in Filipinos is something we glorify way too much. With all the calamities, disasters, and tragic events in our nation's history, the people have always found ways to overcome. It's happened often that we mistake survival and apathy for resiliency. When people say that Filipinos are resilient, it isn't a good thing because to be resilient means you accept what's happening around you and you work to get by. That shouldn't be the case, especially with what's happening around the country right now. The Filipinos deserve more, and it's high time that people started realizing that and started demanding more, started demanding for change. Resiliency is a smokescreen for apathy. It's time to wake up and demand accountability from our government. Demand change. Demand more because we deserve more. I'm Wacky Fernandez, and this is the Wack Attack Podcast. What's up, everybody? Wack Attack is back for episode 3. You know, I'm sorry if I didn't have any content for the past two weeks. I didn't jump on the pod, you know, because I didn't want to take any attention away from all of the relief operations happening right now, especially in the aftermath of Typhoon Ulysses. Um, I don't think it would have been right for me to release an episode yet. So I waited a bit um, and I was helping out in various ways. Hopefully, you guys have helped out too. Um, if ever you guys haven't and still want to, you know, there's still tons of relief operations going around for the victims of uh, Typhoon Ulysses and the past typhoons that hit our country over the past month. Um, if you guys need ha- any help, you know, you can't find any benef- beneficiary or anywhere to, don- to donate cash or in kind or whatever. Anything will help. If you can't have or if you don't have any access to information for those kinds of relief operations, please feel free to message me and I will personally help you find somewhere where you can donate. Um, you know, with that being said, um, I know we're all excited to talk about sports. I'm excited to talk about sports because I haven't been able to talk to you guys in two weeks and that's a long time for me because I like to talk about sports. So today, I think, you know, I'd settle for a quick pod. Um... I just really want to talk about the off the NBA offseason because there have been a lot of big things happening in the NBA offseason. Um, a lot of trades going down. The NBA draft just happened. A lot of signings. A lot of teams losing players. So it's I, I just want to put things into perspective. You know what I'm going to do to help me do that is I'm going to list five winners of the offseason and five losers and I have three teams who I can't tell if they won or lost the offseason so without further ado let's get at it so the NBA offseason um, as an NBA fan as a sports fan the offseason is personally one of my favorite times of the year because of the different drama the different storylines how much money teams throw at players so if you're into the intricacies of the sport of the association as the league as a business uh, the offseason is going to be very fun for you it's very fun for me um and you know if you're starting out if you're an nba fan who's just starting to get into the nba um these are the teams to watch out for next season so this this kind of serves as my season preview 
unless you know something major happens like our oh, James Harden trade or something to that magnitude um but other you know if not that nothing like that happens uh this will be my season preview so five winners five losers and three can't tell teams for the NBA offseason let's start with the winners so five teams i'm i don't want to sound biased i think i will sound biased but only because this is my team um everybody who knows me knows that i'm a laker fan for life so I think the Lakers completely fleeced everybody this offseason. Rob Belenka is a god. You know, he was able to get rid of Danny Green, Dwight Howard, you know, JaVale McKee. I wouldn't call it getting rid, but he lost these players. Key players who helped them win the title last year. Rondo. Um, who else did they lose? Yeah, those guys. Uh, those are the first guys that come to mind. But they were able to recover, you know, by signing... Reigning sixth man of the year, Montrez Harrell. They signed a veteran big man in Mark Gasol. It's about time a Gasol brother is finally wearing the Lakers jersey again. So I'm very excited about that. They were able to sign their runner-up for the sixth man of the year in Dennis Schroeder, who is a super scorer at the point guard spot. And they were able to sign a legit 3 and D guy in Wesley Matthews. I think all of this, you know, is an upgrade in their roster. I like the Wesley Matthews signing because he's everything that Danny Green couldn't be when he was with the Lakers. I love Danny Green, but he wasn't exactly the most effective on-ball defender. Um, and he wasn't exactly the most consistent outside shooter. Um, by percentages, Wesley Matthews is a better outside shooter. He's a better on-ball defender. So I'm hyped about that. I like the Dennis Schroeder signing, the Montrez Harrell signing. They pro- they'll provide energy off the bench. They were able to keep... Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Markeith Morris, two players who were super important in the Lakers' offseason because they could have gotten these guys for cheap and they were able to bring them back. So kudos to Rob Belenka. And, you know, whenever you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on one team, you're definitely going to be a contender. So they, I think the Lakers did a, an amazing job surrounding um, LeBron and AD with the pieces that they're going to need to defend their championship. So I like their hopes. So hopefully they get to the NBA Finals again and they win back-to-back because that would make me so happy as a Laker fan. So the Lakers, for me, completely owned the offseason. Um, Rob Belenka, I could kiss you. You are amazing. The next team that I think won the offseason is the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns were able to acquire Chris Paul who a lot of people don't believe, but I still believe that he's one of the best point guards in the league right now. And you partner him up with Devin Booker, who arguably is the best young scorer in the league right now. Um, They were able to sign Jay Crowder, who will provide toughness on the wings, another wing defender. He played well for Miami in Miami's championship run last year. And they signed two backup guards who try hard on defense and are good catch-and-shoot shooters in Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway. But for me, the most important thing that the Phoenix Suns did was keep Dario Saric. Dario Saric is one of the best stretch fours in the league right now. Um, He can light up from downtown. He can post up. He can take it straight to the basket. Perfect partner for DeAndre Ayton in the the Phoenix Suns front court. Um, Especially, you know, the Phoenix Suns coming off a perfect bubble record, which... Oddly enough, wasn't enough to get them to the playoffs. But I think they 
made the moves that they needed to make. Um, they got Devin Booker help, and they got um, they were able to keep DeAndre Ayton's front court buddy in Dario Saric. I think the Suns are a top five seed. I'm not even kidding. Um, I'm very high on the Suns team, especially under Coach Monty Williams. So I think they do really well, and I their front office just did amazing. Even with dra- the NBA draft, they did amazing this off season. Um, the next team, I think won the offseason are uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, every time you have Luka Doncic and Chris Tapps Perzingis, you're going, you're going to be a tough out. Um, they barely, uh, the Clippers barely got by the Mavs last playoff. So I think the Mavs team are still, the Mavs team are still going to be good next season, especially, you know, they signed Josh Richardson, who is a premier 3 and D player. He can shoot from the outside and he provides Dallas um, a perimeter defender that they didn't have last season. Um, they said bye to Seth Curry, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, just like his brother. But they signed Josh Richardson, who could fill in ably for Seth Curry and do some of the things Seth couldn't do, which is play defense. Um, they also signed Wesley Iwundu and James Johnson, who will provide um, toughness on the wings, something that Luka Doncic needs because he gets bullied a lot. Um, so Iwundu and uh, Johnson will be kind of like, you know, I don't know, his bouncers or something, his protection. Um, so I think the Mavs upgraded definitely, and I think they're going to be a problem in the West next season. The next team um, that I think won is the Portland Trail Blazers. Okay, I think that Portland Trail Blazers had one of the best off-seasons in recent memory. They were able to sign Robert Covington. Robert Covington is, okay, he's, a, for me, the best perimeter defender in the league right now, not named Kawhi Leonard. So Covington will provide the, def- the wing defense, the perimeter defense that Portland has needed for how many years? They finally have a quote-unquote LeBron stopper, um, Kevin Durant stopper. Basically, he will... Covington will provide Portland the things that they need to take it to the next level. They were also able to acquire Enes Kanter um, as a backup center from the Celtics, um, who will provide offense off the bench, something they also needed last year. Um, And they were able to re-sign Carmelo Anthony, which I think was pretty important for them coming to the season. Now the question for me regarding the Portland Trail Blazers is, Will they be able to stay healthy enough to give them a shot at maybe a top three spot in the Western Conference? Because they have the talent to do it. They have the pieces to do it. Damien Lillard has been playing out of his mind. CJ McCollum has been playing out of his mind. And they got the pieces that they need you know, to complement those two guys. So it, for me, it's really a matter if they could stay healthy. And if they could stay healthy, I think that they're a potential Western con- Conference Finals team. So. I've given four Western Conference teams. Maybe for my fifth team, I will talk about the next winner for the offseason, which is the which are the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers won the offseason in the East. They were the big winners for me in the East because they were able to sign Daryl Morey, the architect of the Houston Rockets, as their GM. So he's now the GM of the Sixers. They got Doc Rivers as their new head coach, which is an upgrade for me. Anything's an upgrade from Brett Brown. Let's, let's be honest. Um, and they were able to 
acquire Danny Green. They were able to acquire Dwight Howard. Um, they were able to acquire Seth Curry. They drafted Tyrese Maxey, who I think will be the steal of the NBA draft. And they were able to part with Al Horford, for, who, who, you know, let's face it, wasn't the best partner for Joel Embiid in the front court. So they signed players with championship experience in Danny Green and Dwight Howard. They signed a shooter in Seth Curry and a young star in Tyrese Maxey. While at the same time, keeping Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid happy. So I don't think you could do any worse as the Sixers. Um, you surrounded your two superstars with the talent needed to take them to the next level. And I think the Sixers will be a third seed in the East. That's how high I am on them. Uh, Doc Rivers is a defensive-minded coach. And I think he'll be able to bring out the best in these players moving forward. So those are my winners for the NBA offseason. The Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the Sixers. Did I say the Suns? Yeah, I think I said the Suns. So those five. Now let's get to the losers. Here I will make... I think I have some hot takes for the losers. Um, five losers, most of them Eastern Conference teams. For me, the biggest loser of the NBA offseason would be the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons because they paid Jeremy Grant like a star. They paid him three, they paid him 60 million for three years. For those who don't understand NBA money, that's a huge deal for somebody for a role player. They lost Christian Wood and Luke Kennard, who were very key pieces in their rotation last year, and they replaced them with Mason Plumley and Jalil Okafor. So they have a logjam in the uh, at the forward and center spots, and they didn't get any better at all. They overpaid players. They overpaid Jeremy Grant. They overpaid Mason Plumley. They overpaid Jalil Okafor. And these guys aren't even that proven yet. You reserve that money for people who are proven. So just in that, I think the Pistons lost the offseason just solely because of that. The next team I think lost the offseason, which I think would be a bit controversial, are the Toronto Raptors. Um, they lost their front court in Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. The front court, which was such an important part of the Toronto Raptors' amazing defense the past two years. Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol provide length. They provide shot blocking, post defense, everything you can name. Shooting, on offense shooting. They can stretch the floor. So the departure of these two guys will hurt the Raptors quite a lot. Um, you know, they signed Aaron Baines and Alex Len to try to replace Ibaka and Gasol. But Aaron Baines and Alex Len will not be able to replicate the things that Ibaka and Gasol gave. So I think because they weren't able to secure Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol, um, the Raptors lost the offseason just for that. They're going to be significantly worse, um, especially without those two front court players. Next would be the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, this is very controversial. I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I think they lost the offseason because they weren't able to, to secure the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade, which is so stupid on, the Milwaukee, on Milwaukee's front office. Because, okay, here's how it went down. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks were originally supposed to acquire Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, if they did that, Milwaukee would have been title favorites flat out. But then the trade fell through because apparently 
the player who they wanted to trade, Bogdan Bogdanovich, didn't agree to it in the first place. So the Milwaukee Bucks announced everything and teams weren't allowed to confirm these trades yet. But the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they went out and said, oh, we have Bogdan Bogdanovich. We acquired him from the Sacramento Kings in a sign-and-trade. A few days later, the deal fell through because Bogdan Bogdanovich didn't agree to it in the first place. How, you know how stupid you have to be to confirm that without even asking the player if they wanted to play with you in the first place? Now that's different levels of stupidity. So because of that, I think Milwaukee, the Milwaukee lost the offseason just because of that. They were able to acquire Drew Holiday, yes, but at what cost? Um, they traded three first-round picks and two pick swaps. That The Lakers gave up less for Anthony Davis. So Mil- you're technically saying that Drew Holiday is better than Anthony Davis, which I don't, let's not kid anybody. That's not true at all. So they gave up a lot of draft assets, uh, future draft assets for Drew Holiday. And that isn't even guaranteed to make Giannis stay. Because while the Milwaukee Bucks may have a solid first five, they have no bench. They signed uh, Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine, but let's face it, those guys aren't going to make that much of a difference at all. So I don't think the Bucks did enough to make waves this offseason. And I don't think they made enough deals or transactions to keep Giannis around long-term. I, I hope to be wrong. I like Giannis in Milwaukee. But I just don't see it happening long-term anymore. Um, next would be the Hornets. Okay. You, th- you guys thought that Jeremy Grant being paid $60 million for three years was bad? The Hornets signed Gordon Hayward to $120 million for four years. Guys, $120 fucking million for Gordon Hayward, who's missed 111 games the past three years, who hasn't been an all-star since he went to the Eastern Conference. $120 million. Four years. Michael Jordan, really? So, you know, Michael Jordan hasn't been doing the best job handling, you know, front office duties in Charlotte. Um, They drafted LaMelo Ball. Let's give them that. That was a good move on their part. But then, you know, you drafted third. Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman are gone. If you draft anyone other than LaMelo Ball, I'm pretty sure the people of Charlotte are personally going to see you out of their city. So because of that Gordon Hayward deal alone, they lost the offseason. You know, you're paying $120 million for four years for an aging forward who hasn't proven himself in the Eastern Conference yet. Plus, you still have Nicholas Batum on your books. You, you, you're paying that guy $27 million for the year. And you aren't even going to be using him properly because he just signed Gordon Hayward. So you guys lost the offseason. The Hornets, you fucked up this offseason completely. Next team who I think lost the offseason. This one will be a bit controversial because I don't even know if they lost or if they won. But I'm putting him in the losers because I think the trade request from their superstar is too much to overcome. Um, And that's the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets opened the offseason by getting rid of Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey. So they have new management and a new head coach. And add to that, 
James Harden asked for a trade to a contender. Right now, the Houston Rockets aren't contenders. Um, I don't think they recover from James Harden asking for a trade because that ruins relationships from front office and the player. Um, hopefully, Harden balls out. It would be a shame if the league didn't see Harden at full strength you know, or full motivation because Harden is elite. But then another thing why I think the Houston Rockets lost the offseason is Westbrook, Russell Westbrook's contract. You're supposed to move that contract. You're paying him $137 million for three years. That's Russell Westbrook, who hasn't been the same since he left Oklahoma. I don't think he's used to not having the ball in his hands. And he was really exposed in the offseason where the Lakers were just daring him to shoot and he wasn't making anything. So... The Rockets, I think, lost the offseason because they weren't able to move Harden and they weren't able to move Westbrook. And they have a new coach. They, yeah, they might have signed Christian Wood and they took a flyer in DeMarcus Cousins, but you never really know how good DeMarcus Cousins would be right now. Um, so yeah, I don't think... And they lost Robert Covington. So I don't think Houston really is going anywhere, especially with all of the other Western Conference teams getting better. I'd be surprised if the Houston Rockets make the seventh seed. Honestly, that's my hot take. Okay, now for the three teams I can't tell if they won or lost the offseason. That's the, first, the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, the Atlanta Hawks. They signed Danilo Gallinari, Rajon Rondo, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Chris Dunn, and Chris Dunn. While, you know, a normal person would think, wow, that's a good haul. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's going to be good for a 7th and 8th seed. They're going to make the playoffs. I, don't, I, have no, I have no doubt about that. My main concern is the fit of the players they signed. They're, they openly announced that they're going to be using Danilo Gallinari as a backup for John Collins at the power forward spot. John Collins is Atlant- Atlanta's big guy moving forward. That's their franchise forward. You sign a player like Danilo Gallinari to play backup minutes to John Collins. I don't think you're using Danilo Gallinari well enough because Gallo's a really good ball player. He can ball. So I don't know if you're going to be using him well enough for that. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich is okay. Um, that's a good signing for me. He fits the mold of, the, of this Atlanta team. My problem now lies with Ray John Rondo and Chris Dunn. Okay. Trey Young is arguably one of the best shooters in the league right now. Um, the most one of the most prolific scorers in the league right now. And he needs the ball to be effective. If you sign Rajon Rondo, well, who I know well because he played for the Lakers for two years, he's not the best regular season player. He needs the ball in his hands to be effective. And if you have Trey Young, that's not gonna happen. So I don't know how Rajon Rondo will fit in all of if how Rajon Rondo will fit in what Atlanta wants to do moving forward. Chris Dunn, he's going to be a good defender. But he can't space the floor, which is something you'll need when you know when your front court partner or when your back court partner is Trey Young. So Trey Young's gonna get his. He's going to be an MVP candidate. But then the pieces, I don't know because the pieces also stun the growth of the other young guys they have: Kevin Huerter, um, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunt, DeAndre Hunter. Um, those three guys are the future of Atlanta, and you sign players who will take away minutes from those guys. So I don't know. Hopefully, uh, they're going to be playoff contenders. They're going to make the 7th, the 8th, maybe even the 6th. But I don't think they're going to make it far. Um, another thing that will be put into question is their wing defense. Uh, they don't have anybody to play defense, guys. 
they don't have anybody to stop Kevin Durant. They don't have anybody to stop uh, James Harden, LeBron. Um, maybe Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter could be those guys. They're long, they're athletic. But again, with the people you signed, you're taking minutes away from them. So hopefully the Hawks can prove me wrong, but I don't know if they won the offseason. But I don't know if they lost it either. Um, next team that I don't know if they won or if they lost the offseason is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Guys, the Thunder lost four of their best five players last year. They lost Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Danilo Gallinari, and Steven Adams. Yeah, they got um, Al Horford, Trevor Ariza, and George Hill back, but four of your best five players is kind of tough to overcome. While now I'm pretty sure you're questioning Wax, why don't you just put them in the loser bracket then? I didn't put them in the loser bracket because Sam Presti is a thief. Currently, the Oklahoma City Thunder have 22 draft picks, guys. 22. Do you know how much draft picks that is from 2020 all the way to 2025? They have 22 draft picks for the next five years. That's a lot. So I can't really dub them losers because they have 22 draft picks. So I don't know. I can't tell. Next team would be the New Orleans Pelicans. Okay, the New Orleans Pelicans made waves in the offseason by trading for Steven Adams. While originally I was excited at first, now that I was able to think about it, I'm kind of questioning the fit. You know, they signed Steven Adams for two years, $35 million. But the fit with Zion Williamson, especially if Zion's going to be your franchise player, I don't know about it, guys. Because Zion lives in the paint. He's a paint beast. He dunks everything he sees. He blocks everything he sees. He rebounds the ball very well. Which is exactly what Steven Adams does as well. That guy's a paint beast. He lives in the paint. He has, he's the strongest player in the league by far. So I don't know, I don't know, guys. If they want this to work, Zion has to develop and hit corner threes at a high rate. Not actually not a high rate. He just has to hit them consistently. Which I don't think he can yet. Uh, well, I haven't seen him do that last season. So that's a question for me. Um, next question mark for the Pelicans for me would be they didn't get help for Brandon Ingram on at the wings. Um, Brandon Ingram's is a star. Um, he's going to carry this team to an eighth seed, I think. Um, but then you didn't sign any help for him there. You didn't sign any defenders, any wing players. So I don't know what the Pelicans' plan is for that. And another question mark for me is Eric Bledsoe. So the New Orleans Pelicans ended up with Eric Bledsoe. Um, they had an option to send George Hill or Eric Bledsoe to OKC, but they kept Bledsoe and said so they sent George Hill to OKC, which I think was a bad idea because Bledsoe is technically the same as Lonzo Ball. You know, they play amazing defense, they can attack the rim pretty well, but they both cannot shoot for shit. So if they sign George Hill, I think the fit would be better because George Hill can at least play off the ball, catch and shoot, and Give Lonzo the ball, you know, do what he does best, handle the ball, create, break down the defense. But they kept blood. So, so I do not know how that fit is going to work. So, yun, um, those are my three can't tell teams if they won or lost the offseason. So, to recap, my winners are the Lakers, the Suns, the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the 76ers. 
my losers are the Detroit Pistons, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Hornets, and the Rockets. Uh, my can't tell teams are the Hawks, the Thunder, and the Pelicans. So I do not know. Um, yeah, these three teams, I really, do, I really don't know where to put them. But yeah, this was fun. I mean, this will be my season preview for next season. So those are the teams to watch out for. Uh, okay, I think I have enough time to talk about another thing. And I just want to touch on Gilas Pilipinas really quickly. Um, it's timely, consider, considering you know they played last Friday and they're playing again on Monday. Or, yeah, on Monday. Um, I really like this team. Um, this team's full of college stars from Ateneo, from UP, from La Salle, from San Beda, from UE. This team has length. They have speed. They have shooting. That would be very competitive in international play if this team place together more. So I'm really high on these guys. And I hope that they keep this team and develop them moving forward so that the Gilas program can stop depending on PBA players so much. They can stop depending on the PBA so much. Because I think the PBA is very selfish when it comes to international play. Why is that? Okay, let's give them that. Let's give the PBA that now. They adjust the league calendar to make room for Gilas. Um, they allow teams to land players. But at the end of the day, okay, the PBA is, at the end of the day, the PBA is controlled by two groups, in my opinion. It's controlled by two groups. The San Miguel Corporation and the MVP Foundation. So the San Miguel Corporation has Hinebra, San Miguel, and Magnolia. The talk and tech, uh, the MVP Foundation has talk and text. They have Meralco and they have Enlex. MB, the MVP Foundation is headed by Manny Pangilinan, who is also the financial backer for Gilas Pilipinas. So most of the time, if not all of the time, the coaches who are put to, look, to overlook the national team have trouble borrowing players from the San Miguel side, because Gilas is backed by the MVP side. Are you following? Okay. So, that's why you're going to see most of the Gilas teams have players from MVP more than players from the San Miguel Corporation. That's where I think league politics plays into factor. That's why I think the PBA is selfish in that because the politics in the PBA make it impossible for national team coaches to get the roster that they really, really want. Because San Miguel, may, I don't know, maybe San Miguel teams are reluctant to lend their players to the MVP foundation because, I don't know, maybe they think tampering happens or I, I don't know. Maybe they want the MVP foundation to fail, which if that's the case, and that's very selfish. Sure that sure they lend the players. Sure, San Miguel lends players. Uh, June Marfajardo, Japheth Aguilar, Paul Lee. But then they only lend those players because if they don't lend those players, then people start to question if the PBA really has the national team's best interest at heart. So for me, politics are politics are ruining um, league politics are ruining the national team's development. Um, you know, we already made the World Cup once. Um, we're 
perennial contenders in FIBA Asia. So the time for moral victories is done. So if we can't contend, if we can't keep up with the best, if we can't aspire to be on the level of China, of the level of Iran, the level of European teams and American teams, then we shouldn't compete at all. And the only way we get to that level is if the PBA stops being so selfish with the players, which I don't think is going to happen because of politics. So if that's the case, let's develop college players. That's why I'm happy that you know, the program director, Tab Baldwin, put together this team. This team's good. Like I, I'm buying into this team. Um, Matt Nieto uh, is arguably the best point guard in college, the best point guard in college. Um, I, I, my voice was cracking there. My voice raised up a bit. I'm sorry. Um, Matt, Matt Nieto is arguably the best point guard in college outside the PBA. Um, Kobe Paras is so versatile on defense. Justin Baltazar is a revelation. Isaac Go is perfect for international play. <clears throat> and there's this one guy who I think is going to be a star. That, na- that guy's name is Dwight Ramos. Dwight Ramos is everything that you want an international player to be. He has good height for his position. Um, he can shoot. He can attack the basket. He can play defense. He can create. He can facilitate. He's the, he's the complete package. What irritates me is he's playing for Ateneo for the next two years. And, you know, being a LaSalle supporter, a diehard LaSallean, it kind of annoys me how we have to play with someone that good for two years. This guy's better than 3D Ravenna, guys. Um, he's not as physical bully ball player as 3D is, but he's more shifty. He's shiftier. Um, he's more elegant, graceful in the way he moves. And there's something about him that just screams star potential. So Dwight Ramos is legit, guys. Keep a lookout. Uh, Gilas plays again on Monday. So hopefully you guys come, go out and watch. There are, there are live streams on YouTube. Let's support our national team. Let's support the college boys. Coach Tab is the perfect guy to be training these boys. Coach Tab is the perfect mentor for these guys. If the SBP wants to push in that direction, that they're going for a complete youth movement. You know, you have Kai Soto, who's playing for the G League Select team. Um, if you guys, if SBP can get him to come in and play, this team's going to go places. So, yeah, that, I think that will do it for episode three for Wack Attack. Um, I'm, again, I'm sorry I was away for so long, but then I'm good to be, it's good to be back. I'm happy to be back. And episodes will be up weekly again. Um, there are a lot of sports events happening. The NFL playoffs are approaching. The PBA finals um, is happening, is starting to happen. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for the next few episodes, the next, new, next few topics, next few guests I have lined up. So hopefully you guys share the podcast, um, follow if you haven't followed, and yeah, have a great week.